Carbach Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 Astroline. Astroline. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. World Series champion! This is where we talk about your champs. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline. See Championship City. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepherd. Sports Talk 790 Astro Line starts now. now. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar, 1400 North Shepherd. You're listening to Astro Line. Astro Line is brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. I'm Steve Sparks, the Astros radio broadcaster. And we've got a great guest here today, former Astro. Long-time major leaguer, and uh, it's Jeff Blum, who's the color analyst for the TV broadcast for the Astros, now on AT, AT&T Sportsnet You don't even know Southwest. who I work for. AT&T Sportsnet Southwest. You just know I get on the plane, I get on the bus, and I show up every day to bug you. And you take my money on the golf course. Yeah, <laughs> one day out of the year. <laughs> Jeff Blum. Blummer, thanks a lot for coming out here. It is good to be here, and it's good to see everybody in Pluckers. And it's phenomenal that uh, we've got an opportunity to talk about this Astros team and what we saw with this team is that they were able to come out there and win a World Series. And you and I have been with this team for the last five years. And to go through and see the inner workings of this team, how special was that for you to watch things come to fruition after all that time? Uh, it felt a little bit like a uh, proud parent, you know, you watching this team uh, gr- grow a little bit. But it was interesting when we both got hired because we, we, were, we got hired at the beginning of the process also. We were, we were learning our, our way around. You had a little more experience than I did. But watching and listening to Jeff Luno and Jim Crane talk about this ball club and what their plan was, we keep hearing the term process. Uh, but we actually got to see it unfold, much like the fans did here in Houston. And it was uh, remarkable to see some of these guys come up through the minor leagues because uh, that was our focus on a lot of the shows when I started in 2013 14. Talk about the minor leaguers. <laughs> was talk about the future. And then they got here and they lived up to and, and exceeded my expectations of what these guys could do. And now they're getting fitted for rings. And it's, it's awesome to see. It was the transparency, I thought, Blummer, that yeah. uh, the team was able to go out there and say, hey, there are going to be some tough times. And. Uh, if you stick with us, it's going to be worth it. And we were in, in the, the the back hallways, if you will, uh, talking about are they going to be able to be patient enough to get through this? Because for two or three years when we first started in 2013 as broadcasters, it was ugly. Well, that's what I was I was, I was going to say is that you and I, having played the game, we've been on good teams, we've been on bad teams, we've seen the struggles, and then we get this job where we get to watch and talk baseball and we see the rosters that are being thrown out there. No offense to those guys, but uh, they were not—they were—they were not uh, the caliber that we were hoping to cover. And now we see it. But uh, there was some concern early on, and you never know how these guys are going to develop. You know that they do—the Astros do a very good job of scouting and developing. But to have it pay off the way it did really cements the fact that they have a very good program here and an idea of what they're doing. 2015, they bring in AJ Hinch, and they felt like they were a year or two away. I think they probably ramped things up a little bit in 2015, overshot what they were expected to do that season. But I think a lot of that had to do with A.J. Hinch and what he was able to do and bring guys together. And he was further evidence of that transparency, even with us, uh, of what 
what can happen when you communicate well. No, the communication, I think, is the key. And obviously, A.J. Hinch going to that secondary school at Stanford and getting the psychology degree was impressive. But he also worked in the front office. So I think the communication that you're talking about between manager and front office uh, it, it was unique because A.J. had the experience in San Diego in working in that front office type situation. So he understood how to speak in a front office type way. And also he understands how to communicate with a, with a team because there's got to be a certain relationship between your manager and your clubhouse, uh, which has got to be stronger than the, the relationship between the manager and the, and the front office, the yeah. general manager. You still have to connect with those guys in the dugout and have their trust. And A.J.'s done a phenomenal job at that. And I also think A.J.'s done a very good job of understanding what his club needs and, and relaying that to Jeff Luno. You know, w when you're talking about what your club needs, I think one of the things that really connected everybody was a strong presence in the, the Latin uh, corner of the clubhouse, Absolutely. so to speak. So you're talking about the bench coach, Alex Cora, and Carlos Beltran, who was that veteran who was able to keep everybody together. Now those two guys are not in the clubhouse this year. What kind of adjustment do you think they're going to have to make to make sure that everybody is as cohesive as they've been the last year and a half? I'm not sure if they're going to actually have to make too many adjustments. I think it was great that Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora were here. They moved on, but I think they left an indelible mark on guys like Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve. Now I think Jose, it's, it's Jose Altuve's time. Uh, he, he is a leader in the, in the physical sense where he goes out and plays a game hard every day, works hard underneath. Uh, he does a lot of things that we, even you and I don't get to see that, he, that other guys in the clubhouse feed off of. If I'm watching a guy who's an MVP caliber type ball player in the cage more than I am, that tells me something. That tells me i got to get in there. And if this guy's working as hard as he is, I should be working equally as hard, if not more, because he's already the leader of the team. But now he has a chance learning from Carlos Beltran, has the World Series championship, the postseason experience. And now a lot of that is going to translate to some of the other guys in that clubhouse. But it's it's him and uh, Carlos Correa up the middle for me that is going to have to take over that clubhouse yeah. and maybe carry the torch that you're talking about for the Latin guys in there. You're listening to Astroline. We're at Pluckers Wing Bar on 1400 North Shepherd. Astroline, of course, brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. And you can submit questions at hashtag Astroline. Danny Ferris is going to be taking care of those. He's our social media director, along with Lauren Blackwell. You guys have any questions yet? Danny, you got a question for Blummer from uh, social media? Not quite. I'm trying to pull this up, uh, having some Internet issues right now. I've got a question. I appreciate you blaming it on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have it for you just a second, just a second. I've got a question for you, Blummer. When you're talking about personalities in the clubhouse and when you've been out there and you've played in clubhouses and the Astros brought in different personalities, one of them Josh Reddick, one of them Brian McCann, they're still on this team for a couple more years. What do those type of personalities mean to a club? Um, I think we heard about Brian McCann just as far as receiving, working with the pitching staff. We knew that the Astros had a good pitching staff and they were going to nurture some of these guys and get them here. Uh, I think that was a, the, the main thing because Brian McCann coming up through the Atlanta Braves, I think learned a lot from Leo Mazzoni and Jeff Cox and a lot of these guys. And, you know, obviously uh, having – some Hall of Famers floating around that clubhouse every sure. once in a while, the yep. John Smoltzes, Greg Maddoxes, uh, Tom Glavin. So he's, he's accrued a ton of knowledge, and I think that helps him work with guys like Dallas Keuchel, a young Lance McCullers. Uh, but Josh Reddick is another guy. He's a grinder. He's one of those guys who's complete dirtbag, goes out there, plays hard, sweaty, gross, 
getting dirty. You say gross. S- slamming helmets. He, he, I mean, he takes a trip to Snapville, I think, every every game, <laughs> which is great because it shows the intensity and the willingness to go out there and play as hard as he can for 162 games. But those guys brought also the mentality of contact. Uh, the Astros struck out a ton, and now they're a high-contact team and a high-slugging team, and a lot of it has to do with those guys filling the gap in the bottom part of that order. All right, Blummer, let's talk about some hot stove news. And we just got something within the last hour that Christian Yelich of the, uh, the Marlins was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, four prospects, three of them in the top 100 of the Milwaukee Brewers uh, system or top 100 of all of minor league baseball. So a nice haul for Christian Yelich. Where do you sit on the, the side where Yelich's agent came out and said that relationships between Yelich and, and the front office with Miami was irretrievably broken at that point. Well, my goodness, what what the Florida Marlins or Miami Marlins or whatever we're calling them these days, w- Jeffrey Loria was a, a mercurial owner to say the least. Uh-huh. Uh, Samson, the, you know, the president of operations out there, w- was mercurial to say the least. A relationship with the city, with the stadium, and then fire selling everybody there. Now you've got Derek Jeter and that ownership group coming in, and. Christian Yelich is a very good ball player. There was part of me that actually was hoping that the Astros were maybe having some sneaky conversations because about bringing Because it's a great him. contract, too. <laughs> it's a great contract, and he's a phenomenal talent mm-hmm. who would fit into this ballpark and this situation great. But if I'm Christian Yelich, a young ball player, a very good contract, and I'm watching you just dismantle the guys around me that I grew up with and played extremely good baseball with, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to ask for a way out, too. I, I think he created leverage with that contract, and I think he also created leverage by what the front office was doing and took advantage of it. Now he's going to a team that's competing in the National League Central. So you feel like he has the right to be able to, to, to kind of go out there? Well, it, because you, extre- signed, a, you ex- signed a deal. You did sign a deal, but did you sign the deal knowing that you were going to fire? If you t- if you told Christian Yelich, I'm going to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton and half of your ball club, would you still sign this deal? He may because the money's nice and it's guaranteed, but I'm not sure. It gives you a lot of security. A ton of security, but if you, you're going to go out there and wear it for 110 games a year and take the loss? You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's, it's a hard tough for me call. To say. It is a tough call, but uh, at that time, wh- whether whether or not they were going through that or not, he took that security as yeah. a player. So I, I have a hard time. I'm glad that he's not the one that came out and said it and that his agent was the one that came out and said, hey, you know, we feel like the the Marlins should, should look into to trading this player because I think of a player coming out with that fan base who's been loyal to – you know, even with well, that would go a long tough. way too, if you think about it. I mean, Christian Yelich has you know endeared himself to the people in Miami right. by playing like that. If he did stick around, that would go even further. That's right with that fan base. But it would have been a very tough haul to to go out there and play in front of ten thousand people in that stadium because they're not going to be turned on to buy tickets to watch up just him. Right. Let's talk about how frozen this free agency <laughs> process has been. I mean, this is unlike anything you and I are accustomed. Well, to. we haven't seen this in nine or ten years. Yeah. Uh, something this frozen as far as the free agency. Last year, nine players in the offseason signed four-plus-year deals. This year, as, as we speak right now, nobody has signed a deal more than three years as a free agent so far this offseason. There's probably going to be a couple before all is said and done, but as a person who played in this game for upwards of 13 years, what would you feel like at this point with four daughters and a wife at home, this time of year, not knowing where you're going to be. 
I'd be all over the panic button right now. I'd, I'd be calling my agent on a daily basis going, hey, man, take another million off. Take this off. I'll do this. I'll do that. Is that but how I, you would go about it? You say, I know hey. you got to hold your – me? Uh -huh. I'd, have to t I'd have to take a, a pay cut. But if I'm J.D. Martinez or, or one of these other guys that's going to garner – Arietta, Darvish. Yeah. I mean, they're still heavy, heavy hitters as far as uh, quality pitching, quality starters, and uh, J.D. Martinez in the outfield. So those guys are going to have to stick to their guns. But the owners right now are – going to push them they're going to see what it's going to take to get these guys to sign but uh, there would be a little bit there would be a sense of panic because right now all those guys that you just named are getting ready for something they don't know what or they don't where. know where they're going yeah and that's very dis and you've got just concerned your, your kids are in school your wife is going hey where am i packing the truck where are we sending this thing what are we doing uh, so it, it's an extremely tough situation, but it's, I think it's the evolution of baseball. The baseball is getting younger, contracts are getting shorter, and they're expecting more for their more bang for their buck. Maybe front offices are just getting smarter too. They absolutely. I mean, you and I both know covering the Houston Astros that a lot of the numbers that we look at now, have, or at least a lot of the numbers I look at now, have changed from 2013-14, and I, I I don't completely get it but i do understand what they're what they're uh, heading towards well let's talk a lot more about this blower you're listening to ashland presented by carbach brewing company check them out at carbachbrewing.com we'll be back with jeff blum right after this on the houston astros radio network and we'll be right back with segment two in just a moment Well, the spring opener is just 29 days away on February 23rd at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Before you know it, make your plans to see the World Series champion Houston Astros in West Palm Beach, Florida. For all theirs is to see and do, visit thepalmbeaches.com. And spring training, one of the best times of the year for a baseball player. Hello, everybody. I'm Steve Sparks along with Jeff Blum as our guest tonight, the color analyst on AT&T Sports Net Southwest. Nice. Is that it? Right by the second segment. I like it. Is that it? Do you like spring? I love spring training. As a player, I loved it. I mean, Did you was, really? Yeah. Because you were a pitcher. Because I was a pitcher, yeah, yeah. You only had tea to pitch times. every fifth day. Tea times, get to play a little golf. But there was only one spring training in my entire career where I wasn't guaranteed a, or that I was guaranteed a spot uh, on our roster. So toward the end of spring training, I didn't like as much as it, I didn't like it as much as I did at the beginning. And with that being said, the Astros announcing their non-roster invitees. What's it like for a young player, uh, you coming up as a major leaguer, 1999 with the Expos? Early on in your career, you may have come to a spring training or two before you made it team. But uh, what was that like, first spring training or two? Uh, I was in, actually, at the end of 1998. I had, had elbow surgery at the end of 1998 uh, in AAA. Rehabbed my way, finished the season in AA. So there was a lot of question marks around my career. So I, I actually enrolled in, in classes at Cal. Really? Yeah, are you kidding me? I, I was enrolled in classes. I was, I was uh, planning on that that was going to be my last uh, season in professional baseball. I was uh, going to be 25 years old, and I, I was like, I can't be doing this too much longer. i got to get life going here pretty quick because mm -hmm. uh, things aren't looking too good. And I got the invite in 1999. It was also the same year I met my wife. So a lot of things were happening for me, but I got that. 26 years old then, right? Yeah. Invitee, and I get to go to spring training. I had number 83 on my back, and mm. I couldn't have been happier. I, I mean, I went to, you know, to, to wide out, make sure with the referee I was in the right spot on the line, and I took off running, man. It was, it was the time of my life. Uh, Felipe Alou. 
uh, you know, kept asking me what position I played. You know, hey, what the position do you play? And I kept saying, yeah, whatever no, you yeah. want me to. Yeah. I, I would do whatever it took to get to the big leagues. And I had a really good spring training, went to uh, uh, AAA that season. And uh, August 9th, 1999, I made my debut and never looked back. Hey, three years previously, you played for a team in Harrisburg in AA. Yeah. You guys, good, you guys won the league championship. Oh, yeah. You Hall were famer on that team. You were 23, and there was a guy two years your junior, mm-hmm. Vladimir Guerrero. Beast. 21 years old in double A, hit 360. Dude. He's dropping bombs. But you no knew it. joke. You knew it, right? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? You knew he was all Oh, my gosh. We would be in spring training, instructional league, and you'd watch this kid, and you're just going, that guy is so good right now. We 21 been, years old, skinny and strong. Had no idea. I mean, just had the instincts, had the tools, and made it happen. I've heard a lot of people compare him to Roberto Clemente. And, wow. Uh, and, and I... I I can't argue with that. I, I mean, a lot of the video and the stuff I see from Roberto Clemente, I almost think Vladdy's that, that much better just because I got to watch him on a daily basis. But the guy w- it was an absolute freak of nature. I've got so many stories on Vladdy that would probably wear out this show. He got the rest a little of the preferential time. treatment, right? Dude, are you kidding me? He got to do whatever day, he wanted. Hey, day games, he would have. This is back in the PlayStation days. Day games, he'd have his feet up on the uh, on the uh, on the counter playing playstation and i'd walk by on my way to the cage for the second time and i go vladdy what are you doing he goes i I play i play the baseball on the playstation i said all right who you facing he goes who goes who we facing today i go tom glavin he goes i'm facing tom glavin (laughs) he's facing tom that was his scouting report was on play playstation and he'd go out there and take a change up down and away and go oppo taco like nothing pete mccannon was our third base coach and he'd come down this is what i wanted you to tell about oh man I'd be sitting on the bench, me, Ryan McGuire, Mike Mordecai, Orlando Merced, and, you know, a couple other guys, and he would do something. He would take a slider down and in, hit it out the other way at uh, the Big O, which was not easy to do. So and Pete McCannon was the third base coach, yes. right? Yeah. Pete, Pete was a spe- he's a special breed. And he's the manager for the Phillies now. And he would come down after the inning, after Vladdy hits this mammoth bomb the other way, and look at me, and he'd go, you, you, you. And you, pointing at guys in the dugout, will never be as good as that guy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had no comeback because we knew he was right. Yeah. He was a phenomenal talent. Trevor Hoffman, another one of your teammates. Another one of my teammates. Elected into the Hall of Fame yesterday as well. How, what does that mean to you? It, it means a lot because Trevor's one of the better teammates I've ever had in my life and one of the better human beings that I've ever met. But uh, a lot of these guys that are going to the Hall now, I've actually been lucky enough to be teammates with all three last year. Mm-hmm. Pudge, Tim Raines, and uh, Baggy, obviously. Uh, Craig Biggio. But now you get to see uh, Vladdy was a phenomenal guy in the clubhouse. Trevor Hoffman, one of the best. Trevor was a guy who showed up. Uh, I, my first year was 2005 with the San Diego Padres, and my wife threw a birthday party at our house, which is about 45 minutes north of San Diego. I've known Trevor for about two months. Guess who shows up at my birthday party? You're kidding. No, I swear to you. He was there. He was there, and I texted him last night, texted me right back. He is he is incredible, and you know as well as I do that he didn't have that electric arm. So what I appreciate most about Trevor is – the, the, the Bugs Bunny changeup that he had, the fastball kept losing velocity, but the changeup was still effective. But he he learned how to pitch and continued to pitch in those high-leverage situations. It was a lot of fun to watch. Did you ever hear this story, and I think he told Buster Olney not, to, not too long ago, the reason why he lost all that velocity was he dove in to the ocean at some point. <laughs> And his arms were outstretched, and he felt like he, he jammed his shoulder. Are you serious? And he said it felt like almost that air was letting out of a tire. He could he could feel the compression. Oh man! And 
what do you know? I mean, he shows up to spring training the next year and loses five or six miles per hour. And like you said, it diminished and diminished, but he still had enough differential in his changeup in that fastball to carve out a, a major league Hall of Fame career. No, his arm action on the changeup was the, the best yeah. I've ever seen in my life. And I had the, the misfortune of playing against him, you know, in 99, 2000, right at the height of what the San Diego Padres are doing. They just came back. They just got done getting beat by the uh, Yankees in 98. But he was throwing 95 with that changeup. But, I mean, I'd swing it at three times. That's why we call it a Bugs Bunny changeup because yeah. you could strike swing one, it at three, two, times three before it got to the plate. Uh, the Hell's Bells entrance. I mean, yeah. he was one of the true, like, uh, what we played the with innovator. Matt Clark yesterday. Yeah, but, I mean, it was like a WWE entrance. I mean, when that when you heard the first bong of that bell, you went, yeah. oh, chills down your spine. Yeah, here it comes. And, you know, at old Jack Murphy Stadium, the, the stands were right on top of you. You could feel the roof of the dugout bouncing a little bit. So uh, it, it was a good time. And it was even better to play behind him because I actually recorded the final out of his 479th save that actually broke this all-time saves record. That. Yeah. That was a big deal. All right, nine, I believe, uh, Hall of Famers that you played with. and you How mentioned about that? You mentioned quite a few of them, including the three from last year, but two this year with Vladimir and Trevor Hoffman. Jim Tomey and Chipper, of course, going in this year. Larry. You, you played with Tim Raines, Bagwell, Pudge, Frank Thomas, Biggio, Greg Maddox, Mike Piazza, yeah. which I didn't know. I forgot yeah, that he was Diego. with San Diego for that year. Uh, and Vladimir and Trevor. So that's pretty That's pretty cool. Any common threads with the Hall of Famers? Or are they all just unique in their own sense? They're unique in their own sense, and they all brought uh, something different to the table. But every one of those guys, to a man, was very approachable and probably the most hyper-knowledgeable guys about the game that I've ever talked to. And they did a very good job. Sometimes I talked to Tony Gwynn a couple times when I was with San Diego yeah. before he passed away. And you'd have a conversation with him, and you'd, your jaw would drop because he spoke a completely different language about hitting. He, the way it, he was said, it hard to understand? It was it was incredibly hard to understand. Oh. It was so intricate and so detailed that I was just like, man, I just try and swing as hard as I can, you know. But he he was so intricate about what he did. But all these other guys did a very good job of translating and understanding how hard it was to get to the position they were at, and they were more than uh, open about the information they wanted to give you to try and make you a better ball player. Well, you're listening to Astros Radio right here in Houston on our flagship Sports Talk 790 KBME and 99.1 FM HD2, longtime partners and affiliates of the Astros Radio Network. I'm Steve Sparks, the radio broadcaster for the Astros, along with Jeff Blum and Blummer. One of the, my favorite things we do during the course of the season is our last-minute jogs over to the other guy's booth to say, hey, what do you got on this pitcher? Or, hey, <laughs> yeah. what do you got on this hitter? So because, you know, one being a pitcher and one being a hitter, it, it's hard to understand it, it, unless I can see it through your eyes for me as a hitter and what you're seeing is so I can watch for something. Then, And what have you learned as a broadcaster at this point and, and, and what to do to become better at your job? Uh, and what you're talking about is that we will literally, in in middle of the game, at a commercial break, we will yeah. run back and forth. And there's been a, actually two or three times where we've kind of met in the hallway as because we had similar questions about what was going on, whether yeah. it be what a pitcher is doing, like you're saying, in a game, or what, it, what do you see from a hitter or what I see from a hitter. Um, what I've learned is is patience. Being in that color analyst seat, we have we are we enjoy the luxury, and you do play by play very good. But I don't have a chance to do that, so I've learned to be patient, and sit back, watch the play unfold, 
let Todd make the call, mm. you know, get, get loud, show that inflection in the voice and have some fun with it while I sit back and kind of watch and absorb everything that's going on and really think about the swing. So when the replay comes back on for us, I know you don't have the luxury of that, but right. when the replay comes back on for me, you're ready. I can be ready to, to go with it and enjoy the moment. So I get to actually get to be a fan for about 10 seconds while the play is unfolding and really think about what is going on and maybe see some things that uh, maybe fans at home aren't seeing and kind of bring their attention to when they see the replay. I, think, I don't think it. a lot of people realize that you have a big input in what gets shown back. Yeah, you I, have a, you have a button where you can talk to the people in the truck and say, yep. hey, I'd love to, love to see a replay of this. Oh, yeah. There's there's communication between me and the truck. I have two buttons in front of me. One's a cough button, which I learned early on is a very effective button sure. for some of the things I want to say yeah. and don't want to be heard. <laughs> and then there's also another button in there that puts me in direct contact with guys in the truck, the producer and uh, the director down there. And I can say, hey, can you replay this angle? Can you look at this angle? Can you give me another shot of that? Or, hey, maybe in a couple innings, can we go back and, and revisit that home run? Mm-hmm. So... I do have a lot of input in that, uh, and, and I'm lucky enough to work with a crew that is very good at listening to what we want to see or what we feel the fans should go out there and see, and hopefully they're enjoying it. That's awesome. Jeff Blum is our guest tonight. Danny Ferris, our social media coordinator, has a couple of questions. What's the first one, Danny? Uh, real quick, before I get to the questions, fun fact about Jeff Blum over here. You guys are talking about the Hall oh, of Fame. Boy. Uh, he's a lifetime 270 hitter against Hall of Famers. Shout out to that. Fun. Like it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, comes up with that split? I appreciate <laughs> it. It was, it was available. Uh, 270, three home runs, four ribs. Um, but to questions coming in from social, um, with spring training, we just had our release for non-roster invitees cool. coming in. Kyle Tucker being on that list, he's one of the top prospects in the game. Have you guys seen him play? What do you guys think about him? Uh, how do you guys see him turning out in 2018? What do you want, me or you? No, I think it's you. He's a hitter. And I, I've got. Oh, well, you're watching the game. Just to, I'm I mean, watching the, watch game the game as a pitcher. When I watch, you've the taught swing. me how to watch pitchers. I hopefully I, you know, you know how to watch a hitter now. I think he's a phenomenal talent. And when yeah. you watch it, I mean, it, this is crazy to even think about. You could put him in Ted Williams swings. That's the name we keep hearing the comparisons with. It's not far-fetched. <laughs> I mean, he's that strong. He's got that type of leverage. He's in the strike zone that long. Uh, you're always going to be challenged when you have a swing of that length inside with fastballs to see if you can handle that. I know as a pitcher, that's where guys are going to go first. And you see, that's how I, I'm looking to see where his strengths are. You're actually, as a pitcher, you're looking to see where weaknesses. his weaknesses are. Sure. And what I saw also with you, the two things that you said, talent and strength, He's a wiry guy, right. and Ted Williams was a wiry guy also, but uh-huh. he could drive the ball out of the ballpark because they have very good knowledge of their swings, but they're also extremely talented, and, and good hitters like Jose Altuve, for one, just to pick on one, do a very good job of figuring out how to get the barrel to the baseball. And when I first saw Kyle Tucker swing in spring training last year, I went, oh, my gosh, he's going to get destroyed on the inside half. He, he got blown up. Next A.B. he comes up. They try to come in the kitchen again, which is the inside to me, the kitchen. Got the barrel there. He turned and burned on this thing and launched it foul, but it was a, it was home run distance, but he launched it foul, and he let, he put people on notice that he's able to get to that inside corner. So it, it gives you an idea that he has a good mentality of what his strengths and weaknesses are and how to get the barrel, the barrel to the baseball. Now, now for me, when, when I'm talking about somebody being able to get to a ball, get the barrel to that inside corner, for me, they have to keep it fair. Yeah. Carlos Correa is a otherwise, freak at doing Otherwise, that. it's a strike. Yeah, Greg Maddox was a master at doing that. He, uh-huh. would, he would literally tell you, I'm going to throw you a fastball in. Off the plate. I'm going to watch you yank it foul because you're feeling good about it. You turn on it, you crush it, barrel it up, but big deal. It's just a long, loud out. 
He goes, what I do after that is what uh, dictates, you know, how the rest of the A.B. is going to go. Carlos Correa, for me, is one of the guys that they keep trying to bust in, and he keeps keeping it fair and launching right. it out of the ballpark. He's impressive. Hey, uh, some people have wondered whether why Forrest Whitley is not going to be at uh, Major League Spring Training Camp. And I would say this, as a young player, and uh, I would say, especially as a pitcher, and you're going through all these drills and you're throwing to bases and pickoff moves and all this stuff, your first spring training, and you see this every year, all these guys come out so ambitious and they want to impress everybody that they throw so hard to the bases. They get into a game <laughs> and they pitch one inning, and it's 27 pitches of everything they've got. And I think for a player at his age, to keep him away from Major League Spring Training, I think you're bound to have him stay more healthy in a controlled environment in the minor league side at this stage of his career. And I actually think that he is mature enough to understand that situation. Also, we had, some, we had we, both of us had a chance to hang out with Forrest in uh, the Astros' caravan. Yeah. And I was really impressed with how he thinks about the game. And I, the conversation with him is probably, hey, we know your stuff's good enough. Uh, he's he's probably paying attention to Twitter. He's probably paying attention to Baseball America. He knows that he's one of the Sharp. top prospects in all of baseball, and uh, he's a commodity. And I'm sure AJ's had the conversation and said, "Hey, you're not going to be in big league camp. But this has nothing to no reflection whatsoever no. on what we think of you as He'll a." He'll probably come up and pitch a, in a couple of games just to to get his feet wet, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Are you kidding me? When he's dialed in and ready to go and can give him an inning, they're gonna they're gonna show him off. They're gonna showcase him. All right, with Jeff Blum, this is Steve Sparks. You're listening to Astro Line presented by Carbog Brewing Company. Check them out at carbogbrewing.com. We'll be back with our guest, Jeff Blum, right after this on the Houston Astros Radio Network. I was just tremendously excited. Uh, I was um, out with some friends, having a good time uh, for my for my wife's weekend, birthday weekend, and uh, so it was a it was a really good phone call. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, who, how do you ask for anything more than becoming the world champions? So, yeah, what do you, uh, what do you think you need to do? Just sort of take the next step. I know you reached a couple of years ago. Uh, last year, your numbers weren't what they were a couple of years ago. Just what, what do you think you have to do to kind of bring it all together once again? I mean, I think it boils down to uh, to command. Uh, I think it boils down to executing pitches. Um, so there are a lot of. Uh, there are a lot of contributing factors, um, but you know I'm just going to trust what I do. Um, continue to use the resources around me. Um, try to soak up as much as I can from some of the veterans on this team and uh, some of the really good players. Um, I'm looking forward to working with Brian McCann, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know a new approach. I know you know there are there are some things that the Astros do that are that are different, um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing those things and, and hopefully trying to get a lot better. There you go. That's Garrett Cole, the, the press conference he had with the, the media, with the Astros the, a couple of days after he signed. And you're listening to Astro Line, by the way, brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. We're at Pluckers on 1400 North Shepherd. And Steve Sparks here along with Astros TV color analyst Jeff Blum. And what a signing. I mean, what a trade <laughs> for the Astros to get Garrett Cole. And I know you have to give up something to get something, but to get something like Garrett Cole to – to plug into that rotation is phenomenal. They did give up something uh, in a couple of big leaguers, Musgrove and uh, Michael Feliz. Michael Feliz, but uh, they did not give up their prize prospects as far as Tucker and Whitley, uh, Forrest Whitley are concerned. Uh, I think it's a great trade. Jim Crane called it, and they went out and got him. And uh, he's a fine addition to this rotation. We always talk about throughout the course of the season, in, in order to 
to to go to a world championship, you've got to have depth, and this creates even more depth adding Garrett Cole to that rotation. It's awesome. Hey, we just got word that Milwaukee has locked up Lorenzo Kane. How about, so, how so about in addition Dave Stern? To, yeah, David Stearns, who was the former assistant general manager with the Astros, making some noise today. Man, is he ever? Those are I mean, those are great pickups. Those are fantastic pickups. You, you got to give up something to get something, but. I think once they realized that uh, they may have Lorenzo Kane in their back pocket, they decided, hey, we can afford to give up a couple of our prospects to, to get a Christian Yelich. But Milwaukee's also one of those ball clubs that's kind of gone with the youth angle as far as, you know, accruing talent in their minor league system, oh, yeah. getting those top prospects, and now they're reaping the benefits of being able to trade them. Similar to what the Astros have been able to do. So yep. he feels like that the time is, is right to strike. Lauren Blackwell. Uh, working here with us today, and you got some questions from some of the people here in the audience tonight, Lauren. Yeah, Jeff, um, so we know Alex Cora is now managing the Red Sox, so the Astros have brought in Joe Espada, who's the new bench coach. What can you tell us? Jan from Clear Lake wants to know what you know about him and what you can tell us. <laughs> I've heard great things about him. I know he has a history with A.J. Hinch playing with him, I believe, in the minor leagues, but also I think what's great about Joe is that he, the, the Latin angle that we talked about, Carlos Beltran was basically that bench coach of that Latin uh, you know, uh, conduit between A.J. Hinch and some of those young uh, Latin players. I'm sure and a Joe's, lot of respect. Yeah, Joe Espada yep. is going to have that same situation, and where that respect comes from is by working himself into a situation where he was a third base coach for the New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. And you want to be under some scrutiny and be tested, go coach in New York. And he's done that. So I think he's a nice addition to that bench for A.J. Hinch. All right, Blummer, 2018 Astros season tickets are on sale right now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park. Save money and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call one eight seven seven nine astros or visit astros.com slash season tickets to get yourself for some 2018 wonderment for this Astros team. Jeff, it's going to be awesome for the next two or three years. Yeah. But is this window going to close? What do you have to do to kind of manage things? Have you thought ahead when you're thinking of maybe next year, Dallas Keuchel is a free agent, and there a couple of years after that, and you're going to have to start to look uh, – Marvin Gonzalez, Altuve, you know, there's always going to be Springer. and then Those it, are big names. It's hard to fill all of that, and it's going to be a tough task for the front office to keep things replenished. If you and I were running the team and we had an unlimited budget, we'd just go out there with $100 million and, and say, you know, how many years do you want to disperse this over, boys, mm -hmm. you know, for each guy. But it's a tough call. You can't do that as an owner or else you're going to go bankrupt. You'd have a very good team, but you would be going bankrupt. And trying. I love spending other people's money. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's going to be some tough calls, because not only because these guys are phenomenal talents, but I also think they've uh, – they put themselves in the community. They've become a part of this city. A lot of these, you know, Keiko lives here. Altuve uh, lives here. These guys all work out here. They Marwin, do, Lance. Marwin, Lance. Yeah, yeah, that's a great call. I mean, there's so many guys, even uh, George. Uh, but did these guys, unfortunately, they are extremely good, and unfortunately, they are going to test the market. Whether or not they come back here to Houston is a decision they're going to have to make. And a lot of people are going to want them. Yeah. But the, but. The, Kyle Tucker. We, we talked about when these trades happen, don't get rid of a guy like Kyle Tucker. And the Astros realize that he can be the future of the Astros in, at some point in the outfield. Um, it can be a Forrest Whitley maybe stepping in when a Dallas Keuchel uh, chooses to leave or not to leave. Might, you know, be, Derek Dallas Fisher, might, be, yeah. might be Derek Fisher this year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got an opportunity to go in into spring training. And this opportunity right now is, is to be part of a really great baseball team. Yeah, and he doesn't I don't want have, to look that far ahead. Because but he doesn't I, have I'm to be the guy. How cool is it, though, yeah. to, uh, for a fisher to get an opportunity and not have to be the guy? You could be a nine-hole hitter. I feel you could be the ninth hitter in the Astros lineup 
and drive in 75 runs. And that is an absolute luxury uh, to go out there and be in a lineup where you know guys are going to be on base and you're going to have opportunities. But then you're going to mm-hmm. also be able to be in that clubhouse and learn how to play championship baseball from these guys, too. I mean, what an environment. Answer me this. So games change quite we'll a bit. Try. Your last year was in 2012, but all the shifts started to evolve <laughs> after you changed. But what the shifts did is it changed the philosophy of the hitters. Yeah. Instead of hitting the ball on the ground into those shifts, they, everybody decided, hey, there's more produ- production by getting the ball in the air. So we're starting to see everybody get uh, with this launch angle. But you were taught when you were playing oh. to hit down on the ball, get the ball on the ground or hit line drives, weren't you? Yeah, it, it, mentally it was an exaggeration, and a lot of the a lot of the instruction, a lot of the teaching you do in the in the uh, tunnels or in the cages is exaggeration. So you really exaggerated swinging down. That didn't mean you would do it in a game. That meant mentally you're trying to swing down, but to in, create backspin. To create backspin, but yeah. in actuality, when you get in the game, you you want your swing to level out, and it usually does because the speed of the game is sped up so much when you're in game action that it's it's virtually impossible to get directly on top of the ball unless you miss hit it. Um, but th- this day and age, it's interesting because I was taught to stay up the middle, go the other way, drive the ball up the middle the other way. And now we're, we're getting – we spoke about Ted Williams. Now the mentality in order to beat the shift, Ted Williams said, if I, if they're going to shift on me, I'm just going to hit it over their heads. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the pull side. I'm going to yank this thing. He and was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. Yeah. And I actually read an article – over this offseason about Elvis Andrews, who was kind of a punch-and-judy type guy, kind of up the middle the other way, okay. on the ground, numbers didn't translate. The last two years, he's, he's gone to a pull and lift, and his numbers, uh, OPS Plus is a sabermetric, analytic-type number, yeah. but his OPS Plus is actually risen because he's gone to the pull and lift mode type, type approach. So that's what guys are doing now. How many times did they tell the little guys never to do that, Ever. Though? Ever. They would if find him in the minor leagues. They would find him. It would be like if Willie Mays Hayes. Air. Yeah, Willie Mays Hayes. You pop the ball yep. up, go down, and give me some push-ups. All right, we only have one more segment, Blummer. Love talking baseball with you. You're listening to Asheville Line, presented by Carbog Brewing Company. We'll be back for one more final segment with our guest, Jeff Plum, after this on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Welcome back to Asheline, presented by Carbon Brewing Company. Steve Sparks with TV color analyst Jeff Blum. Final segment. Uh, we're at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 North Shepherd. Love talking baseball with you, buddy. It's good. All right, clock, <laughs> the time clock, and the speed-up rules. What, what do you think so far? And you're hearing uh, one side against the other right now. It sounds like the players are, are pretty much against speeding things up. Yeah, I understand. Not speeding things up, but uh, well, to have an adjustment to the game. Yeah. Right. Uh, Think for me, man, the mound visits, good Lord. That was it for me. Cut down the mound visits. That was driving me crazy. And you know, now being on the broadcast side, trying to fill the time when those guys keep going out there, it kills me, and it kills the game. There's momentum, and I understand that there's purpose behind it, but it kills the momentum of the game. I wanted to ask you about the 22nd clock because it's when, when do they start it? You know when do you when do you not start it? When do you stop it? When do you? I mean, there's so many. There's going to be so many things where somebody's going to act like they have something in their eye. Yeah, or I got to tie my shoe, or you know, there's there's ways around that. So I I, not a big fan of the pitch clock unless you made it like 35, like a shot clock. Yeah, I for for whatever reason I pitch very quickly. Didn't waste any time. Never strayed away from the mound. I don't understand why you can't get on the mound and get a, a pitch thrown by. 10 or 15 seconds. I have no idea. Well, as a hitter, I know that if a guy was it was going quick to the mound, I tried to slow him down. 
So, you know, that's why another reason why I think this pitch clock at 20 seconds, hitters are going, nope, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rushed into the box because it's going to mess with my approach. It's going to mess with my rhythm. It's going to mess with my, you know, I everything. For, I say forget your approach. I don't care about your approach. You're making the game very boring by stepping out and taking a long time in that's between money, pitches. money, man. Do, do, do you, don't you agree, though? <laughs> I mean, not just as a broadcaster, but as a viewer watching games on television, I want to see the ball in play. Yes. And I don't want to see all these ticks and all your routines well, in between pitches. We, we, as a player, as a pitcher, as a position player, a hitter, you're going to get bad calls called on you. You don't have to take a lap to the dugout to right. go yell at your guys in the dugout and come back. Stay in the dirt. Take, your, take it on the chin like everybody else has in the history of the game. Get back in the box and create an opportunity by getting a better pitch to hit. Yeah. I just don't want to be that crusty guy who... Who, I, yeah, I understand who, the evolution of the wants game. to push things along, yeah. but I, I think it's gotten a little too far it out has. of hand, especially with the mound visits, as you mentioned, where they're changing their, oh. their signs so often. Well, did you did, was it Lance McCullers that tweeted out the, the the issue is a lot of the sign stealing that's going on. It's mm-hmm. getting so much more intricate yeah. that they've got to change the signs a little more that. frequently. Be smart enough to have two or three sets of signs and, and get it done. Thank you. That's and all it if takes. you have a set of signs that changes every pitch anyway, Adjust. then uh, it's going to be pretty tough to figure them out. Danny Ferris with Social Media Coordinator with the Astros. Got a question for Blummer? Yes, uh, I got a couple questions. The first one comes from Jake Holtrop. Looks like he's out of Denver, Colorado. Okay. Uh, would Blummer ever consider frosting his tips again? Oh, Jake. Yeah. That's actually, a great question, Jake. I understood how good the Astros were because I had gotten questions like, well, if the Astros win, you know, bleach your hair again. I'm like, Pfft. No chance. These guys are going to win in the next two years. And sure enough, they go out and win. But uh, in, in order for me to frost my tips, something miraculous would have to happen, like maybe snowing twice in Houston. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey. I'm make- too old to frost my tips. My daughters no, are pulling it's... out pictures of my bleached hair, my issues that I had when I was playing. And they're, and they're going, Dad, what is this? I'm like, I don't know who that guy is. Next time you'll be doing something to your hair, it's going to be just for men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, May 3rd, 2005, you you had triplets, okay? May 3rd, 2005. And there was tough circumstances before they were born. What is that like for a player? And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of things that are tough going on in in players' lives sometimes that are a reason for maybe subpar performance. Tell me what that did. I mean, you guys had some... (laughs) Real life decisions to make, and we won't go into that. But I was going to say, how that hard? Would be... that, how hard is that on on a, on a guy's mental uh, state, and, and what's that do to you as a player? It it does a lot it, because you know you keep hearing the phrase "we're all human," we are all uh, you know human beings. You know, outside of the game, inside the game, but you there are moments where you're, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be tested, you're going to have to make decisions that are way out of the realm of. Uh, of your thoughts and that was one of those moments my wife was on bed rest for the first month of the season and we had a 15 month old daughter at the time so my my here's my routine i would i would get home from a game i would tell the nanny i said you can go home now i've got my daughter spent the night with my daughter woke up the next morning at 7 a.m hung out with her made breakfast had a great time had a blast around one o'clock i would go to the hospital meet my wife brutal and drop her off with the nanny and then i would come back that was before the triplets were born. The triplets were born. Then they were in the NICU for two months. So two months after that, I was I was making laps going to the NICU after games and hanging out with them 
waking up. So, I mean, you know, life life still happens even though baseball is happening. That's right. where you've got to try and find a balance. And you don't want to uh, bring out any excuses. But people, no. I think fans in, in particular, need to keep in mind, sometimes there's things going on in players' lives that have a, a, a real result in what's going on on the field. And it may not be – it may at home it may not seem like a big deal, but to that player at that given yeah. moment, that is their world, and it may be something that the, they're having a tough time dealing with. All right, we want to get a couple of things in real quick, Blummer. You and I are going to be together on, some tissue. on Sunday. BobAllenOpen.com, if you fans want to go to see that. Top Golf, we're going to have a, a, a cool uh, chance. Uh, the World Series trophy is going to be there from 5 to 6. But in spring – at Top Golf, we're going to raise a lot of money for for yes. the Sunshine Kids and uh, have a little fun for a couple hours to raise money. So you and I will be there, and a lot of other uh, celebrities around the, the the city of Houston, including Bill Brown, Julia Morales, yeah, Kevin Nashfelder, Dan Pastorini. Julia does a lot is of things non-athletic good, as yeah. can be, right? It's she unbelievable. Is. She She's is so a, good at her job. She's a poser, but she is terrible at golf. Julia's a poser. All right. <laughs> <laughs> want to say hello? Oh, we want to say thank you to Josh C., our studio engineer, Matt Bolts, who always does a fantastic job uh, with getting things hooked up here at Pluckers and during our in-game broadcast. Blummer, thanks a lot for catching up. Real quick, Tim Tebow, you like the idea that a that a, a guy who hasn't really spent that much time in the minor leagues or really had that much success gets a chance to go to major league spring training? Baseball revolves around money. He's going to put people in the seats. That's why he's there. You okay with that? Uh, Garth Brooks did it. I was okay with Garth going out there and taking a couple hacks. You happy you moved to Houston to, uh, last offseason? I was, but I thought the winter was supposed to be the good weather. I'm, I'm tired. i got to put my jackets away. I, unpa- I put that box in my attic for a reason. I had to break it out. I can't wait to pack that thing back up and get some of this good spring weather. Hey, you I took, love it here. You took John Smoltz deep. You took Greg Maddox deep. You took Randy Johnson deep, Billy Wagner deep. You took Kerry Wood deep twice. Who are you most proud of? Taking deep. Uh, gray, gray. Really? It's between Maddox and Smoltz. Yeah. Dude, because early on in my career, 99, 2000, I was getting absolutely beat down my rookie year by Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox. And to finally, granted they were a little bit older, but I took them deep, yeah. Last it's good thing, to have those guys in your book. Last thing I want to tell you, April 26, 1973, you were born. <laughs> April tw- 26, 1973, Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies. Passed away, so she opened up the door for you. Irene Irene Ryan. One superstar leaves, another one shows up. It's Jeff Blummer. Blummer, thanks a lot for catching up with us. Always love talking baseball with you. Love being all with you, man. Love being with you in particular. Love all the fans here, too. Thanks once again to Pluckers, to CarbachBrewingCompany.com. Thanks again to Lauren Blackwell and Danny Ferris. Matt Boltz is the best engineer of all time. And we will be back next week, Robert Ford, on Wednesday, January 25th, January 31st for the next Astro Line. Thanks, everybody. Off-season show presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astro Line.